Welcome listeners to the Scooby Dudes. My name is Luke and across from me is my friend Evan. Sorry, I'm just I'm trying to gauge how offended I am. Why? What Evan? It is me your friend Luke. What is it that I am doing that offends you? Is it you know what he sound like um you sound like one of the characters in like that point and click Madeline game I had when I was a kid. <laughs> Oh, of course. I know that game exactly. Or like Fez in hmm. that 70s show? Oh, yes. I can hear that now, and I do not feel as good about <laughs> <laughs> Well, my question here, Evan, real real Luke coming back in, what what would you pinpoint that accent as? If you had to put it not on a person, but on a, a like, where is that accent originate or that manner of speaking? I mean, I, I, it's, vaguely, it's vaguely European, so it's not like, I'm putting quotes around this, it's not ethnic. That's, I was trying not for that, but that is my closest attempt at the kind of accents we see and we hear in this episode, which is what I would call not really specific to any region, but just a kind of stilted English, like a very formal, careful English. You know what I think did like a pretty good job, and spoiler alert mm-hmm. for this episode, it takes place in Italy, mm-hmm. um, Assassin's Creed 2. Re- <laughs> yeah, right? actually, they did a really good job. They, they were Italian, but they weren't like hit you over the head with it Italian. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, in this episode, I'd say they're Italian and they're like, hide it from the world Italian. Like, you don't really hear any of that. And the people, the, the most Italian stuff that's done is done by our gang who are all Americans. Of course, yeah, oof, woof. Um, but before we, we get to our beloved gang members, our favorite meddling kids and their dumb dog too, named Scooby-Doo, who are we? We're the Scooby-Dudes. We are the Scooby-Dudes. My name again is Luke, and that is my friend Evan. You know what? I get. I just realized I'm summoning what's his name? Hart from Captain Planet. Um, oh, Mati. Mati. I'm Mati in Captain Planet. That's what I'm doing, and I feel even worse about this. I apologize <laughs> across the board. Um, but uh, but we're too, we're ta- we're the Scooby Dudes. We're here to talk about another episode of Scooby Doo, beloved listeners. This one has the gang here. If I may, Evan, may I lay out the premise? Please. This episode is the 13th episode of the first season of What's New Scooby-Doo. It premiered in February on February 22nd in 2003 called Pompeii and Circumstance. I really like that wordplay, side note. I think that's really solid. Um, the premise, the gang goes for an extensive tour around Italy doing all of the classic Italian things. But not all is well in Italy. Corporate interests have invaded the quaint, homely, humble little nation. An ancient zombie gladiator is terrorizing tourists in a fetching miniskirt, and Mount Vesuvius is about to lose its lunch. Who wrote this? I wrote this. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh. Is that is, it, is that who wrote this in a good way? Or who wrote this? Did you say, and Mount Vesuvius is about to lose its lunch? Yeah. Whoa. Is that pretty good? I was I I was gonna ask at the end lose its lunch or toss its cookies which would be better both now that I'm thinking about it gross both pretty gross but I I like it thank you two dudes talking about Scooby Doo two dudes just like you unless you're a lady mm, this show is for ladies too if you're LGBTQ we are your Scooby Doo's. First things first, I think that we've said this too many times. I just feel the need to say it every time. What's new Scooby-Doo? A banger of a theme song. Such a good theme song. This one really rocks. It's, um, I think I've said before, 
13 Ghosts might have my favorite theme song. Really? This is up... I think it's so good. It's like the best thing about that show. I'll but this one does have... 13 Ghosts. 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo! I, I just think the music in that one is so good. What, and it's... What can you... Uh, use... What that mouth do? Can <laughs> you... What does this mouth do? Let's, let's think about that. Um... Okay, if you're if you're YouTubing it, it can't be that good. <laughs> no, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> oh, this is a warning to all living mortals. The part that really seals it on top of Vince Price's uh, Vincent Price's narration is the uh, the heavy organ music, and when the drums come in. Okay, is is Thirteen Ghosts one that goes dun dun dun? Is that Thirteen Ghosts? Um, you know what? Uh, oh yeah, that is the one. Dun dun dun. Okay. And uh, this one, also an absolute banger, as you said, of a theme song. If I may, is there anything in my premise that I left off that you think is pertinent or that was inaccurate? I don't think that you left off. Um, you, did, you, did you say something about jet, jet setting or like... Uh, they go for an extensive tour across Italy. Like they, An extensive tour. They really yes. cover Italy. I wasn't sure what term to use because we have many zoomed out in the maps dotted line trips from one point to another. Let me just tell you listeners who have not seen this episode prior to listening to our episode, Luke undersold that, if anything. The amount of travel in this show, in this episode in particular, is off the charts. It's more than any other episode of Scooby-Doo we've seen. I would wager, if I were a betting man, that we have more, again, zoomed out, tracing a map from one destination to another scenes here than we do in the rest of Scooby-Doo combined. Very Indiana Jones. Very Indiana Jones, now that you say it. For me, I think of Indiana Jones, the uh, point-and-click, uh, like, Sierra Adventure game. Uh, 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 Lost City of Atlantis, I think. Had a lot of that. Because you had to go from one location to another. And it was a point-and-click, I'm sorry, it was a point-and-click game where you'd, like, have to go get a pair of, like, scissors or a paperclip in, like, Jamaica. And then you'd fly to Africa to try and use it. And what? Like, no, I need to do this first. And you go back to Jamaica. Then you go to the North Pole. Like, it's the kind of thing that works well if you're in a limited setting point-and-click adventure game. Anyways, here, similarly, I guess a point of connectivity, there's no real logic to how far apart places are and how the gang has planned their trip. Italy might as well be within, like, a 10-block radius for how much we travel around and how quickly. So, th this episode starts off with, uh, with Pompeii, which makes sense. Pompeii, like, surely our listeners know what Pompeii is. We, we must all know what Pompeii is, um, but if you close your eyes, we'll tell you about it. Um, it was a city that was buried in ash. Um, and what happened was this volcano erupted, and a lot of the walls came tumbling down. <laughs> you were dang it. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was really tough. People were pessimistic about it. I mean, how are you going to be an optimistic about this? How am I going to be an optimistic? Okay, so <laughs> Mount Vesuvius erupted, burying the city of Pompeii in ash and uh, killing ev everyone there about 2,000 years ago. Okay, I've already... In a past episode, brought this up. Do you remember? I don't. There's that guy who was like, a, a lot of the people died, or sorry, well, obviously you died doing whatever you were doing when you died. But in the case of uh, Pompeii, the ash preserved um, the the outlines of their bodies so that um, people were able to come and fill those outlines with plaster to uh, create these crude uh, sculptures, I guess, of of these people i don't remember you know exactly what I'm talking but I, about? i'm hoping the thing that you said in the past episode is not the thing i'm thinking of 
Yeah, they caught this dude <laughs> yeah. in the self-love position. <laughs> Just cranking his hog. I like that you said they caught this dude 2,000 years after <laughs> caught... his death. They walked in on him. My favorite thing about the commentary is that like this guy knew, he had to have known <laughs> oh, yeah. the volcano was exploding. I, I want to say this is an unacceptable tangent, except we do walk in on a dude in that position in this episode. <laughs> what an absolute legend. I think, like, that's me, I think, quoting the post, but honestly. Oh. So we open up in the city of Pompeii. We've got a bunch of tourists all snapping photos of uh, uh, ruins here at the city. Two, uh, two comments about this. Number one, um, I, I feel like they're using an actual mosaic. Like, not, not, like, drawn by the animators, but, like, an actual sort of, like, maybe photographed and slightly edited, like, mosaic. That could be. It does seem like the setting is very lived in there, in a way, or, like, real, in a way that not every other setting in this uh, episode looks. And secondly, I'm almost positive, and I could not figure, find this on the wiki, that the tourist who speaks is uh, Frank Welker. Oh, absolutely. There's no, you don't need, we don't need to look at the wiki. That's definitely Frank Welker, not even doing a different voice from Fred. Uh, and so these tourists are just kind of, they're going around, they're snapping photos. Uh, and I could not, for the life of me, and I listened to it like five times, make out what they were saying. I know now from context, but they said, oh, it's, it's a real life gladiator or something like that. Oh, was that what they said? I just, I thought it was mumbles. It was, I had no idea. They, they really oh. mumble gladiators. Like, <laughs> this I, one note, I'll say it here so I don't have to say it again later. This episode had some real rough edges that made, reminded me of the first Scooby-Doo show. Like, some of the editing, some of the sound design, some of the cuts were really just, like, jagged. Um, kind of endeared me to this episode, if I'm being honest. It didn't take hmm. me out of it. It, again, more than anything, was reminiscent of the original. So it's a chariot that pulls up, and in it is what I would describe as an evil greek video game character oh yeah this is like if um the god of war guy um Ares. i mean the god of war video game who do you play as in there kratos kratos this is like if kratos if you were fighting kratos like more ripped than he needs to be just like bubbly muscles like they rounded him out and uh and kind of like apparently violent especially with that visor that completely obscures the face yeah i, f I feel like he's like a stock enemy so he he's supposed to be roman he does look like a like a hoplite. That's mm. sort of he's got sort of um the helmet with the little nose guard, he's mm. got like the breastplate. Yeah. But he's all in like shadowy hues, like like the entirety of him. Yeah, very villainously shadowed. And uh, I did look it up. There were gladiators in Pompeii. They did have an arena where those kind of sports took place. So that that much is accurate. I didn't know that ahead of time. I looked up the film on Wikipedia. Gladiator. <laughs> Kit Harrington and Emily Browning. And, uh, oh, Pompeii the film. Correct, yeah. I thought you meant Gladiator the film, and I'm like, Kit Harrington? Who the frick was he? Was he the squire and that died? Was he the wife? Just what a was... twinkle in Russell Crowe's eye. He was the key... he was the son that died. Oh, oh. With... I would believe that. That could be. Ugh, sad. Sad movie. Um, okay. That's it's mm. fine. He shows up. People are scared. Uh, we come upon the gang, and they're in Florence. That's right. And by the way, I don't know if you kept track of the different locations they went to. I did not even I did. try. Okay, thank you. Glad you did. Um, this is what I'm going to say, because I had this discussion with my friends pretty recently. They're walking out of a gelato, I was going to say emporium, which, I don't know, that seems like a greeky Romany kind of... Yeah, a real greeky Romany kind of thing. Oh, if only there were a word for something that is both Greek and Roman. I think it's greeky Romy. <laughs> um, Daphne says, 
The guidebook rates the gelato in Florence as the best ice cream in Italy. Here's the thing. I'm going to say I hate to nitpick, but it's literally my job. Gelato and ice cream are not the same thing. And, uh, and the distinction is not known by a lot of people. It is known by me and Evan. Evan, would you mind telling these ignorant listeners? Well, you know what it is. You know the difference well, between ice cream I'll, and gelato. I'll, why don't I say one difference and you say another? You, okay. One is called ice cream, the other is called gelato. Correct. Yes. No, I'm waiting. That was my difference. What's your difference? <laughs> they, they have different fat contents. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Um, and gelato, you can't, you can't really make vegan gelato because of... Whereas you gelatin. You can... Did you say beef gelatin? It needs gelatin. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I like mine with beef gelatin. Some people, different kind... Grind up whatever kind of bone you like. Uh, and that's it. I just wanted to comment. I thought that was... An inaccuracy. That was the one moment that didn't seem authentic to the Italy that I know and love. Have you been? Uh, no. But I probably have some Italian heritage. A couple of percents. You're looking into the distance and considering it as if you you can think from your memory whether or not I have Italian in me. Italian heritage. It's it's pretty far back though. Like the the further on you, I mean, mm. not your offspring, but the further on you go in life, the more that recedes. It's an it's a receding heritage. <laughs> you, that moment you were looking into the distance was a moment of like there must be a way I can convert this into a dig at Luke. Okay, can I say this? You have to edit this out, okay? Just edit this out, because I want to say it right now. Okay. Editing room, Luke here. I changed my mind. Um, in uh, ate a and she says, oh, I was choking on, I was choking on a just now. And I was like, is the fact that you choked on one of the world's smallest one of the reasons your relationship is failing? <laughs> You guys are very open on And it's like, hands down, one of the meanest things I've ever said in my entire life. That is so mean. That is, I think, either a measure... That is one of two things. It's either a measure of your sincere closeness with this person or of your complete insensitivity, like of your incompetence when it How you, you don't have some kind of uh, limiter that's necessary. I got a lot of all-caps wows for that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um... It is one one thing I want to say here about the opening, uh, about the first few scenes we have with a gang, is that it takes a while for them to be introduced to the villain, way it's longer than I'm used to. So weird. It's like the premise is that really, really the premise is that they're on vacation. Yeah, I guess that's it. More so they than them actually solving a mystery. They don't. They don't have any destination, and that's probably why we're location hopping so much. Is because they're just here to tour Italy. They they are inadvertently collecting clues. I guess that's a mild spoiler. Um, they they realize that. Um, well, Fred says, if I may, I, I've got the quote, and I, I I almost thought this was like something straight out of a uh, tourist brochure for Italy. In Italy, we've seen br- the brand new and the ancient side by side. Yeah, was this sponsored like- by? Like exactly. the tourism board. Tourism board. Yeah, it's, that's what it sounds like. Shaggy has a good joke about, "Hey, that sounds like the back of my fridge." The contemporary and the ancient side by side. Um, and it, this is in reference to a huge corporate like sky rise 
uh, or high-rise skyscraper right next to this quaint little Italian uh, villa. It's it's uh it's been constructed by the Scungi Mundo Corporation. Scungi Scungi Mundo Corporation. Yeah. Dude, I don't think either of us looked that what, up. And I know s- what Mundo see. means. Mundo means it's like Mundo, like in Tagalog, it means world. Okay. I don't know what Scungi means. And I heard Mondo, which I I think also means world in uh, Spanish. A few languages in mm-hmm. Spanish, yeah. And they, I want to say, they they don't just say Skunjimoto once and then like, okay, I guess that we said it once, we can forget about it. They keep saying Skunjimoto. They can't get that word out of their mouths. They're by a little quaint, like, archaeological shop, and the shopkeep comes out and basically tells them, like, hey, you know, um, Italian law actually doesn't permit construction over archaeological sites, which makes a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, but but Skunjimoto has never built on an archaeological site. You're saying that like it's a Japanese word. You know that, right? Like Skunjimoto? That's, I, I guess, the thing is, it sounded like that to me. It didn't sound, um, and it might be the way that I phonetically wrote it out, which I know is inaccurate because we see it later in the episode, but that's, it didn't sound Italian to me. I don't know Italian or Japanese, so I shouldn't even claim that. Um... But we do have a pretty early on this bit uh, where this back and forth of, oh, but they never build on ancient burial sites. Hey, aren't ancient or like uh, aren't ancient artifacts everywhere in Italy? I mean, it's an ancient nation. Yeah, but they never build on them somehow. Yeah, it's it's weird. And then we're moving on. <laughs> here's here's where we truly get to this little jet setting uh, sequence, because as I wrote in my notes, they're literally just vacationing. Yeah, they, we have, this, this was bonkers to me, we have a montage that's completely separate from the mystery, before the mystery is really even connected with the gang at all, of them doing Italian things. That's typically in the chase scene. It's like they just had, I don't know, they ate something, they had gelato in Florence, so Shaggy's like, let's mm-hmm. go get pizza in Pisa, they go to Pisa, they go to Venice, they go to Rome, and while they're in Rome, um, they're at the Trevi Fountain, which I've been to. And they're talking about how, oh, yeah, you throw three coins in there, your wish will come true. And then they're like, yeah, look. And then they turn around, and then there's another um, Skunjimundo uh, corporate office or, like, building or something. But it's, like, in a field, sort of. Look, I've been to the Trevi Fountain. You can't just build a... You know, it's it's in a really dense part of the city. Yeah, you can't just, like, drop a, a high-rise on that. Um, and you tried. Yeah. You tried to get, like, some permits and tried to push a couple of things through when you... It's very you difficult. Trump, you, and you know what? I threw three coins in there, and I thought that, was, yeah, that would those do are, Those are big coins, too. Those weren't the smallest denominations possible. But yeah, they do all the classic things. They're throwing coins and pounds. They're on a gondola. They, and then they're right next to yet another ancient site with an inexplicably close corporate building. Then we get what is kind of a, an inglorious bastards moment. Is how I described it. How take me through this? Inglorious Bastards was a long movie, and unless this was a scene with Christoph Waltz, I don't remember it. Really? Oh, everybody knows this. Um, who, who's seen it? I guess. That's so. Um, their vacation is not even close to being done. Hmm. They are now trying to get to Naples, I guess, for that famous vanilla chocolate strawberry ice cream. Was that from uh, the part that was from? No. Okay, no. So. That things that are in, from Naples okay. are Neapolitan. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Dude, you're always dropping these specific ice cream bits. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I don't have. You're so good at that. You got that great knowledge base. No, it's just it's a, it's a rocky road that I walk. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, man. I could see how you'd think that would be a sure bet. <laughs> oh, another thing from our chat that I actually love is that I want to start using in my personal life is just like let's say that there's something that we both sort of disagree on, mm-hmm. and and it's it's kind of like a 
oh, we can, we can agree to disagree. You know, like, I think this, you think that. Gelato gelato. <laughs> gelato gelato? Yeah. Do you spell that out? What's gelato spelled like versus gelato? It's the like same one thing. How the is, same. What's the difference between tomato and tomato? <laughs> that does work pretty well. Um, yeah, man. You say gelato, I say yeah. gelato. Oh, so wait, what's the Inglorious Bastards moment? What happens is that there's a conductor's strike, so that's canceled their train to Naples. So Fred's like, you guys, listen up. I've been reading this little guidebook, this little phrase book. Oh, Bongiorno. Bongiorno. <laughs> Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's Brad Bongiorno. Pitt. Brad Pitt's Bongiorno. I forgot that there was a second character who is very much worth the trip in that movie. Um, so Fred grabs a cell phone, a little flip phone. Bongiorno, Signori. <laughs> You know, the funny thing is here that the Fred of this uh, episode and his ignorance about Italian and his earnest attempts to uh, to do it uh, are constant throughout the episode. But he reminded me of uh, the blonde Venture Bro from Venture Bros. I know you haven't seen I've that, but if any of our listeners have, I think he's, he's very much a, not Dean, the other one. <laughs> I also think it's pretty endearing. I think Fred is trying. He fails at every turn and he's mocked for it, but... Uh, I think I've heard that people appreciate when especially Americans at least attempt because that's kind of a rare thing for Americans. And and here's the thing. It's not like he ultimately fails in his endeavor because he does acquire transportation for them. It just happens to be a garbage barge. Yeah, a garbage barge, a garby barge. And, and then as soon as they're on it, oh, you need to get a new guidebook, Fred. Hey, look, he secured transportation on short notice. He got a workable price. And you know what? I want to say it wouldn't be easy to negotiate a garbage barge into being like, to chauffeuring you, to caddying you around. That would be tough as a local. So the garbage barge is on its way to Naples, but Captain Usman, he just looks like a garbage barge captain. I'm not going to describe him. Like, we've all seen a garbage barge captain. It's just one of those. Look it up in the dictionary. You'll see his picture. He's like, all right, I just need to make a little bit of a pit stop in Pompeii. And right off the bat, the gang is, like, super suspicious of him. I know. I love that. I love the line that Velma comes back with of, wait, but there hasn't been garbage in Pompeii for 2,000 years. (laughs) And then Captain Guzman is like, I have business in Pompeii. Mm -hmm. And also, unrelated to said business, there's a zombie gladiator there, and he's menacing people. Um, while we're on there, I think Shaggy finds a stinky old coin with Nero on it. Um, and uh, Usman says, oh, you can keep that. It's not worth very much. Which doesn't sound right to me. No, it sounds like that would be worth something at least. And also, you aren't supposed to take that kind of stuff home with you. It's, it's a coin that's hundreds of years old. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like Nero Nero isn't like, oh, I found a... I, I, my thought is like a 1950s penny or something like that. That's like, okay, that's not super special. Yeah, like a silver dollar or something, or like a $2 bill. Yeah, something like that. But maybe that's just a sign of how good garbage bargemen have it in Italy. It's like, oh, that's not worth very much. 20K at most at an auction. You know, like that's, that's barely anything. That's not even a down payment on my Lambo. I, I don't know what Captain Guzman thought telling them about this zombie gladiator was going to do but they're immediately just like oh yeah okay that's a mystery we'll we'll, we'll stop off in pompeii oh god i guess we're, we're on the mystery now okay that sounds like what we're doing also they say a couple times ancient zombie gladiator and i think they mentioned at one point that they thought everyone died in pompeii except one person survived by dying and becoming a zombie and i want to say that's not surviving you know <laughs> that's not living that's by definition dying it's just something happens after that fact 
Oh. But then we're from there to Pompeii, is that right? Um, they have a guide, a blonde woman named Alexandra. With quite the ponytail. Yeah, very severe. Huge ponytail. Like, it uh, it made me think of, like, a chipmunk tail. You know, like, where it's, takes a, it's like, 40% of the overall, ma- like, visual mass of the character. Do you know what chipmunks are? I meant squirrel. <laughs> I really meant squirrel. <laughs> When you got silent, I was like, oh, please tell me I didn't say chipmunk. Please tell me I did say. I hope I said squirrel. Did you say, no, 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 no. (laughs) Did Luke just say, name the rodent with one of the smallest tails? (laughs) Um, Oh, but yes, they have a guide. And she's the person who I think more than any other character, to me, just spoke a very, very clipped formal version of second English as a second language English. Like, there's no accent really that discernible in there. It's just kind of the lack of an accent. What I didn't like about, this is my little nitpick, is she's just like, oh yeah, Pompeii had every, everything. You know, like barbershops, um, markets, gymnasiums. And I would have liked it if she had said gymnasia. Ah, uh, yeah. Which I think is something that a, a guide would say, just because it's like, ooh, look at that little, little bit of little like bit of Italian flair. You want to be able to leverage your specific knowledge as much as you can. Because you're the guide. And then weirdly, Alexandra says that this this a zombie gladiator is a charming local rumor. I At the end of the episode, remind me, I really want to scrutinize her motivations a little bit. Uh, she's a character who I think is worth looking, taking a second look at uh, when the episode itself does not. Hmm. Um, but yeah, she kind of dis- discourages them from looking for the, uh, the <laughs> ancient zombie gladiator, as does the guard who's like standing in front of Pompeii proper, I guess. Since Alex- I might be jumping around. Actually, Sorry. that it's a perfect segue because Alexander says mm-hmm. the zombie only appears at night, but uh, Pompeii proper weirdly, and I want to contest this, is not closed off at night. This archaeological site is not closed off at night. Well, it goes from like believable to unbelievable, back and forth over the course of three Italian signs. Did, did you like this on, like, bit? Because I I waffle on it. I I love this bit in concept. I think this is one of those times where the clunky timing and editing of this episode really underserved some a great idea all right so how about you tell share with our listeners what this little back and forth is i actually i don't i don't remember the the particulars of it super well and how it was paced i can do the broad strokes but do you remember it well uh i've also written just broad strokes it was just like italian and this is actually a moment where fred comes through and he correctly reads the italian on a sign after the guard says hey you can't sorry you guys it's closed to the public after at night and fred's like doesn't that sign say in italian um, open to guided tours at night. And then I think the guard is like, yes, but the sign below it says maybe limited access. And this, but then Velmar was like, yeah, but the sign below that says not, or like some slightly yeah, more like, complex version. Of always the open to the public. Always open. It's almost like notes stacked on each other from competing managers. Like they're not on the same page. And the guard at that point is like, well, shoot, I could have covered one of those up. And I think we're supposed to find it's funny because uh, Scooby and Shaggy are then back and forth of like, oh, we can go away. Oh, no, I guess we got to go in. Oh, no, we can sneak away. But ultimately, they just go in. Yeah. So the guy, that guy is Ugo. Oh, Ugo. I do like their names. Ugo and Usman, I like. Oh, and Ugo, I want to say also, pretty pretty beefy, good looking dude. He's, he's uh, be- because, and I'm probably going to say this a lot until, you know, the, the novelty wears off. I, I work at Harlequin. And the novel I'm reading now, I'm not going to go into too much detail because I'm sure I'm under some sort of loose slash strong NDA. It is about an Italian surgeon. 
Hmm. So, you know, sexy, sexy Italians. Hmm. And this is, yeah, like that, but instead of a surgeon, a security guard. So they hear noise coming from the Colosseum. And while there may have been a Colosseum in um, Pompeii, and, and there must be because you said just now that there were gladiator matches. They did. They did have a some kind of arena in which uh, sports, including gladiator fights, happened. I wanna. I wanna take issue with the fact that this coliseum is like mostly intact. It's. It should not be operational, which it appears it to be. It looks like the coliseum in Rome. I also wanted to mention something that as we're approaching this coliseum, we don't just hear a potentially the ancient zombie gladiator. What really kicked this episode up a notch for me is that we hear crowds. We hear like cheers. We hear. Humans. We hear all kinds of, it sounds like they're like, oh, maybe Pompeii's not as dead as we once thought. And that to me was exciting. This isn't just now one dude in the outfit. This is almost like a whole world that was hidden or something like that. This, yeah. That's yeah. so exciting to me. Do the spirits of Pompeii come alive at night? Yeah. And the idea of scale and like the, the mystery expanding as we're going in deeper, like uh, the, this huge ca- underground cavern. It's so exciting. Um, and we get to the, we get into this arena um, I might be jumping ahead a little bit to say that there is a shadowy emperor figure who is also present. So we do have another visible character. That also really kicks things off. Yeah. Um, so we see we see the, or rather the gang sees the zombie gladiator for the very first time. And he is, um, in this case, uh, Reta- Re- Um They're different kinds of gladiators. Uh, very commonly, um, gladiators would wield a short sword called a gladius. Mm. But then there were different like classes. So, so the Retiarius is a gladiator that had a net a, with weights on it that you could swing around and hit people with and, and, and tangle people with and a trident. And, uh, and listeners, for reference, uh, Evan was a, a gladiator kid. He read all the gladiator books and he memorized all the different names. I was a dinosaur kid. That was my thing. It was always one or the other. See, you're saying this like it's a joke. But I definitely read every book on gladiators in my library. Dude, I, I don't, I, I actually don't mean it as a joke. I think gladiators is, are, are a close second to uh, dinosaurs as something boys just love to read about. Probably girls as well. I can't speak to that experience. But um, uh, but yeah, it's, I also read, just didn't memorize all those things. I mean, I had, I had to look up, I had to look up the, the specific like Roman name, but, mm-hmm. or the, the Latin, the Latin ter- term. But yeah, gladiators are super sick. And, and what I think is really fascinating is rarely died in combat. This is a little factoid. Gladiators, they rarely died in combat. Huh. It was actually pretty frowned upon for the thumb to go down, which was going to happen in this scene. Because if you think about it, if, if in boxing... If you murder a boxer who's a perfectly good boxer, people like to watch. People are always doing these like future these future mo- these movies where in the future oh blood sports you know what i mean like oh boxing but like with spikes so like people die and crowds love it because i gotta say i just watched an anime called Meg- megalo boxing where it's boxing but people have like added machinery okay, on their bodies my my cousin's boyfriend i guess i'm friends with him jason was telling me about that because this guy has no enhancements yeah right they call him gearless joe it's actually a really interesting anime almost because of how simple it is um, but it's similar, like, people are not supposed to die in it. It's blood sport, but it's not supposed to be death. It's it's an interesting angle anyways. But typically in the future, it is like, human life means nothing next to the entertainment yeah, look, of the sport. Look how callous we are as, as a as a nation, as a culturally, like, we have no no em- empathy. And we're proud of it, like, oh man, oh dude, I've, I'm so callous lately. That's great to hear, bro, that's awesome, good to hear things are going well. But when in reality, 
capitalism is all you know you gotta make those denarii you know we're in rome so <laughs> or in the future it actually, it's always denarii in the future it doesn't make sense if you have a very popular gladiator for them to die in combat because then all those fans what are they going to do you want to keep people yeah. alive so like very rarely did the thumb go down is basically what i'm saying in like russell crowe's gladiator there's this idea that a lot of people were just dying all the time but well, if, when really that was just the Christians, they're just like the, there's our disposable players, and then there's our paid players. I mean, essentially, um, and like gladiators were literally like pro professional athletes, mm. like they had like ad sponsorships, like like Maximus only drinks wine from. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even no, kidding. I this is like it. an it's actual true. thing. There, there was an industry around it. It was a thing. Uh, so that's interesting. I didn't really know that the. It makes sense, but I didn't know that. Can to, can we get back to what's the emperor's name again? Ooh, uh, I have the wiki open. Oh, sorry. They only say it once. The emperor's name Caesar Saladicus. Oh, which is a joke. I am the emperor Caesar Saladicus. Caesar Salad. Um, now here, as soon as we hit the emperor, something clicked for me, and I was like, this emperor is way more serious than a typical character. In part, his design is really great. He's very shadowed with these great, almost like Mike Mignola-esque or like Frank Miller-esque um, cuts of light mm-hmm. and purple across him. Like, it's a great texture. I, but his voice is really what characters I just Sorry, I thought it was so cool because the gladiator shows up. The gladiator um, sort of comes at Fred. And Fred is like, oh, yeah, oh, I, I, I should warn you. I, I can bench... Press 220, 220. 220 pounds. <laughs> Which is, I love it. Again, like, Fred, good on you, man. That is not a small amount, Fred. Um, but, like, for point of reference, the gladiator dwarfs Fred because this gladiator is huge. And and he, he nets Fred around the around the knees and, and is going to stab him with the trident. But then he looks up to see what the emperor is going to do. Is it going to be thumbs up? Which, for our listeners who don't know about gladiator culture and uh, rules, thumbs up, you live, thumbs down, you die. Now, this is the point at which I, uh, I'm going to have I, two things I want to reveal. First, that uh, that emperor uh, is so great and has such a gravitas because he is voiced by none other than Mark Hamill. Uh, so he really seals it. He's doing, a t- I, I think, a little bit of that jokery gravel here. And it's great. It's a delight in this episode. And obviously, you know, this isn't going to be the only Mark Hamill role. They're going to double down with him and someone else. The other thing, and this is a bit more of a tangent. Evan, would you click that link I sent you earlier in this? So when I was, I googled Pompeian Circumstance, and I found a Google image that had Scooby Don't written on it. I thought maybe it was a Scooby Don'ts, our, our friend podcast, Bible podcast thing. It wasn't. It was a YouTube video where someone painstakingly recreated the entire episode, Pompeian Circumstance, with Legos. This is Canal's YouTube channel. Wait, what? Really? Canal Canal JT. This he comments Kanal? on our website often. That's... He follows us on Twitter. This is his work. And it's... It is... Very good. Thorough. More than anything else, he did literally every single line, every scene, and pretty much shot in this episode, beat for beat. Here's what I've been saying for a while, is I think it's really important that we try to review Scooby-Doo in all of its iterations. And for quite mm-hmm. some time, I've been thinking that we should we should do an entire episode on one of Canal's uh, little adaptations. We need to do that. I would love to do especially even a comparison episode or watch one of his and then watch the original. Canal, I apologize. I hadn't watched any of your stuff up to this point, but I just watched it. I was super impressed. The part that 
uh, like there's so many little amazing moments in it. The best one for me is when, again, the, uh, the gladiator has Fred dead to rights, and then we zoom to the Lego Emperor, and we see that little cup hand. <laughs> <laughs> The like, little the, the turn claw. upside down, you know what I mean? It's just like it's still the claw rotates in its socket. Okay, you know what? <laughs> and we I've also that. I've been meaning to watch Canal stuff for a very, very, very long time, uh, and, and haven't up until this moment. But he's actually drawn backgrounds, which what it looks like it's a pen, like a colored pencils. He also did a lot with expressions in this, like when when uh, they throw the, all the pennies into the fountain or whatever, and then he has several different expressions of Fred being harassed by like bats or birds and stuff. In the opening theme song, he put Lego bats in over the normal bats. I it's, saw that. It's a labor of love, Canal. Good job. Okay. To our listeners, listen. Go to our website, ScoobyDudes.com. And I'll put a link in, into this exact episode so that you can watch it if you like. I highly recommend it. I will be watching it after we record. Uh, I definitely give that take a thumbs up. I just rotated my wrist. That's <laughs> contrary to the Emperor, who does in fact give Fred a thumbs down. He wants he Fred to die. You gotta have the thumbs down if you have a gladiator scene. Luckily, Daphne comes in with um, one of those little golf carts. Like a touristy cart. She makes as if to hit the gladiator. He dodges out of the way. She saves Fred. Everyone is uh, escaping. Here's what doesn't jive for me. Daphne was the one who saved Fred, yet when they drive away, Fred is driving. <laughs> she, like, swings, like, just catches him in the passenger seat, and he immediately is like, move over, I want to take a run. Like, no, let, da- let Daphne drive. Yeah, Fred, you don't, she saved you, like, let her keep saving you. <sighs> Man, I love this animation. I love the, uh, I love the way the Emperor looks. And then we've got a surprisingly long chase scene with the, uh, or like he, the gladiator trails them longer than I thought he would. So the gladiator is chasing them on a chariot. They are on this little, as you said, sort of like a tourist golf cart. Um, they then get onto a speedboat. They, they go down to the water. They get on a speedboat. Right before they take off, Scooby helpfully lifts up a paw uh, with four life jackets on it. That I missed. But good on you, Scooby. Safety first. This is just one of those shows where it's like, if they, you know, they always have to be buckled. They always have to wear helmets. They always have to have life jackets. With the, granted, they're not buckled at all in the golf cart, but golf carts aren't supposed to be able to go fast enough. Oh, one thing. And I don't think sorry, golf carts have seat, seat belts. They don't, typically. I mean, those things have limiters on them. I rode a golf cart around when I was doing custodial in college, and you couldn't get that thing above, like, five miles per hour unless you were going downhill and you popped it into neutral, and then you could really cruise. Ooh. Did that more than a few times in our hilly college town. Um, I want to mention that when the gladiator was chasing them, uh, in, when he was in his chariot and they were in the golf cart, he kept using a whip at them, like, or he would like whip at his, his st- horses. horses or maybe at them. But then we'd cut to the gang right in the moment of the whip, and there would be something like a tree branch would swipe out at them. So it looks like he's like, whip, tree branch. <laughs> like, whip, grinding up against them. <laughs> like, it's, like there's something else on the end of the whip. Uh, but then we do get to that uh, speedboat chase in which the, uh, the gladiator continues to chase them. In his own separate speedboat, in they his get own to speedboat. a different bit of land. They uh, go into. They have to go through these turnstiles. They put coins in. Um, they go through these. Oh yeah, like the, a one-stop shop at this uh, theme park that we never. Yeah, return and then to. they go up what is called a, a funicular, which I did not look up. It's I, it's Italian for something. Funicular. I I just assumed it was like the funicular or something like that. I don't know. 
but we they do manage to escape that way. I think when we see them next, they have yet another mode of transportation. They're like, oh, well, well now we should do scooters. The gladiator did not have coins, and as a result, they were able to escape. Oh, that's right, yep. <laughs> they, they, are in, they are then in their intended destination. If you remember, they were going to Naples. They stopped in Pompeii. I don't remember. So okay. they are now in Naples, and they're just like, hey, we need faster wheels. They, they haven't taken the mystery machine, which is a little maybe out of the ordinary. It makes sense. I mean, you're not probably going to take the mystery machine overseas, but it, it is odd to see them doing, doing so many different kinds of transportation. Like, that's so discussed in this episode. It's like, oh, now we're doing this. Now we're doing that. Should we do this? Yeah. So they acquire scooters, which I'm going to call Vespas, because Italian. Yeah, we're in, Italian. we're in Italy. They're wearing helmets. They find out that Vesuvius is erupting, which is like, hmm. That's right. Uh, dormant. It's a dormant volcano. Sleeping. Not normal. What's going on? Uh, I think they're also like, like eating at the site of like a bunch of ancient artifacts, and there's yet again another hotel there. Uh, and I think they just call it right out, like they shouldn't. No, Velma says I was here a few years ago on like a school trip, and this was an ancient like dig site. Yeah. This we're, building we're was eating not... in a Scunji Mundo building, and yeah. beneath our feet, I was here a few years back. And that, the thing that's crazy to me, I mean, obviously we're learning that corporate corporate interests are um, doing something shady here. But the crazy thing to me is that like no locals notice this. Like, hey, we we live here. We know that that we know that there's something there. Yeah, it, it took these like um, precocious American teens to come in and just be like, something doesn't hmm. something doesn't add up. Oh, I wasn't trying to do a voice there, but I, I didn't take. Don't worry, don't worry, child. Does 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 heaven have a place for me? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Sorry. Oh, I thought you were doing a, that song. No, I don't. I was just doing a child thing. Oh. What is that song? Uh, I don't know. I think it's like Avicii or something. Oh. R.I.P. R.I.P. Avicii. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. I don't know. Anyway, they take they ride their Vespas all the way from Naples back to Pompeii. And I will say, I did not look up the distance. It seems far to me. It. I mean, I'm. I just watched it right now on the computer, uh, or just on the video. If my guess on this is right. That's like 50 miles minimum. I know Europe is much more close together than America is. So my my relative idea of distance is different. Yo, let me let me ask my best bud over here, Siri. Hey Siri, what's good? Busy. Text you back later. Oh, sorry man, that's cold. Siri, can you please look up Pompeii to Naples distance? Sorry, hanging with my best buds. Hit you back later. It looks like Naples, Italy is about 7,290 kilometers away as the crow flies. 7,290 kilometers. 7,000 as the crow flies. And let's mention, they have to wrap around the coast in order to get there. They're not going as the crow flies. So, I don't know. Look, they do that little Indiana Jones, like, little broken line thing and... uh Pretty, pretty speedy. They do the broken line thing, and half of the time they also have the mode of transportation running that broken line. Also, Canal does the same thing. He also has the broken line in those shots. Oh man, I'm so, I'm so excited to watch it. Like, legitimately, I'm so pumped. I'm excited for you, man. Honestly, I, I think it's gonna be, you're gonna enjoy it a lot. Um, but they do manage to make it to Naples as planned. Or to Pompeii. Back to Pompeii, excuse me. Um, and when they get there and they're setting up a trap for the monster, we have... One of the coolest um, bits on a Scooby-Doo trope I think I've, we've seen yet. Okay, what's that? Scooby and Shaggy um, just start walking away from the group as the group is setting up like a tennis net as a as a trap. A volleyball net, and the gang's, I think, is a volleyball little Volleyball net, excuse me. It's definitely higher than a tennis Yeah. And they're, hey, Scooby and Shaggy, where, where are you guys going? Shaggy's, 
says like, well, you guys tell us to go do something. We don't want to do it. You give us Scooby snacks, so we go do it. So I've got Scooby snacks. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And so he he effectively bribes himself just knowing how things go. And Fred makes a comment about what a well-oiled machine the group is. He, he preemptively uh, acquires two boxes of Scooby snacks so that they can get past the Scooby, bar- the Scooby snack bargaining stage that yeah, we've I, commented on in the past. He's kind of taken, taken control of himself there. Unfortunately for the gang, they had this whole plan. The Vespas are small. They're maneuverable. They can go around the pillars, whereas the chariot must go through the pillars, um, thereby ensnaring the gladiator in the net. Unfortunately, this gladiator has, like, sick jumps. How does he do it? He's kind of like... I didn't um, really catch this. Does he... Um, in my mind, he pole vaults in the chariot. He probably doesn't actually do that, though. He, like... Like, um... What is it called? What was the, the Christopher Nolan Batmobile? I don't... It, did that have a name? It did. It was... It wasn't the Batmobile. It was called, like, the... I don't know. The Jumper or something. I'll put it in the show notes. I, I know what you mean. Like, the Thumper? No, not that. I also thought Thumper. I was just going through sort of, like, Beatrix Potter, like... <laughs> no, sorry, that's Bambi. Oh, yeah. No, wait, wasn't it called... Wasn't it called Bambi? Oh, the, the, the Batmobile? No, the rabbit in Bambi was called Batmobile. That's what I'm getting mixed up with. Um... We so things do not go as planned. The uh, gladiator does manage to hop that net, and the gang is the are the ones that go down, down, down this cliff into this water. They all they're on their little vespas. Rocks. They're being chased. Oh yeah, and unfortunately, um, yeah, they're pushed into the ocean. Uh, and then so they have a brief moment where they're adrift at sea. I think Fred says, "Let's look for land," and Velma says, "I see land, but it's not land." Or something along those lines. And it's a barge. It's the garbage barge coming her way. It's like, yeah, you saw a boat, Velma. That's what land that moves and is on the sea is called. Yeah. Hi, Captain Ugo. Usman. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, Captain Usman. It's weird that you're here. Also, thank you for rescuing us. Also, look at this candelabra that's just lying around. This looks valuable. Oh, that's none of your business. Get out of here. I'm not doing anything suspicious. Also, you should just forget everything and go home. Like... If we forget everything, how will we know where home is? And then, like, cut Usman making a puzzled look and then fade from that, crossfade <laughs> into the next scene. <laughs> I love how many scene changes are fading from a confused face. And look, here's, here's the thing. After that, they're back in Naples. <laughs> they're back in Naples with yet another form of transportation. And here they at least justify it. They say how they got it. Um, uh, th- first of all, they've rented a Monjurati. Ooh, I like that. Monjurati? You know, like, like Manja Manja? Manja Manja? Like, eat. Uh, Is that a like thing? Scooby and Shaggy. Oh, okay. Manja, Manja, Manja. It's like, eat. Oh, okay. You're definitely, you're making the eat motion. So, yeah, I can definitely get it from that. Um, hmm. but also Daphne is like, oh, I have a credit card. And I, it looks to me, it looks, looked to me like a Warner Brothers credit card. Oh, you're probably right. And they also said they had good travel insurance on their scooters. And I don't think that what they did was covered by travel insurance. The fact that they drove said scooters into the ocean? First of all, they sped through Pompeii past a security guard. This The second time they went in there, they were just like, Hey, you go! Hey, you go! And they just went right in. They definitely were not supposed to go on scooters. And then, yeah, they just drove them straight off the cliffs. Here's the thing. Then they're back in Pompeii. Alexandra is taking them up the mountain. Halfway up the Vesuvius, she's just like, yeah, I don't want to take you up the rest of the way. 
What it's it's not she doesn't say it unprompted. They ask, hey, you know what about that gladiator you said was a myth? We did see him. So do you think he's gonna be up here? You got any advice for us? And she's like, I'm done. This is as far as we go. Goodbye. Yeah, I'm not gonna take you up. And then they're just like, okay, Alexandra, you weirdo. And I think Alexandra then has a word of advice that's like, be careful up there and beware the gladiator. And they're like, we we know we are the ones that believe he exists. So we got that. They got up there. There's. This is where it sort of strays into, like, James Bond territory. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. This It feels like the climax of a Marvel movie. It's so weird. It's so, so weird. It's, um, there's a generator, and it sort of has tubes going down into the volcano, but then they look in the volcano, and it's full of, like, booty. Gold upon gold. What, what did this pile of gold make you think of? For me, it was Scrooge McDuck, and it was Scrooge also McDuck. Aladdin yeah. 3. Um, Prince of Thieves or King of Thieves? Prince of Thieves. That was it. It made me think of that because that was also had a lot of riches and gold and piles of the stuff around. I would love to watch that movie again. That movie, that was, movie was so, so cool. good. It was such a good, for a third movie, unbelievably good. Well, the second movie was like direct-to-video The second, or it, like whatever. It was easy to bounce back after the second or like it was easy to top that. Especially since the second one was all like, hey, remember Iago? Uh, let's sort that out. Let's get him on the good guy's side. And also, like, Jafar is back, so, like, we can't even come up with a new villain. Yeah, nothing new there. It, yeah, it was really... That that whole movie was just about Iago deciding to be side with the good guys. Did you know that, um, I think it was Walt Disney's son or something, who was just like, these, these sequels uh, are watering down the brand, so you cannot make them anymore. Wow. Like, Little Mermaid 2, like, Lion King 2, Aladdin 2, he's just like, they're, yeah, they're bad, and they're, like, they're just... They're making people, like, dis- lose respect for, like, what Disney movies are supposed to be. That's completely true, and I'm so glad somebody finally did that. For me, it was Balto 2 that really, and I say this to everyone who will listen, really, <laughs> like, tip me over for Disney sequels. Like, this is not good stuff. Maybe not even Disney sequels, just bad se- animated sequels. <laughs> I just imagine you walking through, and because I live in Toronto, like, Young <laughs> Dundas Square, and you're just, like, grabbing people by the arm and just being like, Balto 2! Balto! You're hurting you, me! Let go! You see Balto? Balto? You, Balto 2. It's bad. It's bad. This is, sequels are bad. Officer, officer, help, help. Have you seen Balto 2? It's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I do. Anyway, it's, everything's, we're, once again, we're running a little long, but everything is just really wrapping up fast. We're now, as you say, and then, as you always say, and then backpedal, we're now downhill. We're all downhill <laughs> from here. <laughs> we're all downhill from here. I mean, no. I was gonna say it again. Yeah, I knew. I felt like it was. I saw you steer yourself away from it. No, no, no. We're going there. Uh, but where did we leave off? We've got the gang returning to Pompeii for one final confrontation. Oh, and and we just saw all the riches in this volcano. But it is an active volcano. We see all this gold and these artifacts and stuff, c- kind of competing with lava that's rising over them. They also spot. Uh, Usman. They spot the same kind of labra. They play a little bit of hot potato because the lava has heated it up. Uh, they also see Guzman, and he has a like a big old dump truck, and he's dumping more treasure into this uh, volcano. That he is. They they confront him as soon as he's out. Or wait, no. They they dress Shaggy up as <laughs> as the gladiator to confront him. And I don't know if this was their logic, but I like this idea that if. If uh, Usman was in on it, he would know Shaggy wasn't the gladiator. So that that would be that would give him away. And that is what happens. He's like, you're not the gladiator. How would you know? But they don't actually take that tack. They just mess around with him a little bit. Yeah. 
Oh man, it's ooh. I saw a horror movie this past Wednesday. Um and it was so mm-hmm. it's so chilling cuz like this woman is being haunted by this or terrorized by this demon who uh will take on the guise of like other characters. And that moment where mm-hmm. like the demon says um I guess let's slip that they have knowledge that they shouldn't have known thereby like their disguise falling apart so chilling oh because in this movie the demon was just like i uh and here i was having so much fun just kind of like oh man now i have to give this up it was very it was spooky spooky movie like uh, your description of that sounded exciting to me you know i'm not a big horror movie person but i'm i like a good movie and that sounds good as shaggy's talking to Usman, the real gladiator walks up behind shaggy and we then finally see Fred do what I think he's always wanted to do. It takes, I swear, half a second. He says, A2, doofus, and jumps on his back and, and knocks him out, basically. He jumps on his back, like hands on the backs of his shoulders, and then just rides him down to the ground. And then everyone's like, nice work, Freddy, or like, good idea. No, I think they say good idea, like he did something really clever, rather than something brash that just happened to work out. Usman is like, you've made a big mistake, which initially sounds like kind of threatening. Like, is he going to pull out a gun? No, but instead he says, that guy is the only person who knows how to handle the machine, which is now causing the lava levels to rise up past the top. And he's like, we have to wake him. Fred's like, there's no time. They all sprint to the machine and start pounding buttons. They start jets and they they blitz and jets in the machine. Ooh, blitz and jets in. Here's what I'm going to say is that Daphne is the one who comes through. She pulls a, what I call, a reverse Fonzie. The Fonz? A reverse Fonz. Reverse Fonz because she kicks rather than elbows. And also, it makes it stop working oh, instead of start yeah. working. That's true. And here's the thing. I don't even know where that's from. I don't know what the Fonz is. I think, isn't he from Happy Days? Is it Greece? Not Greece. It's Is it Happy Days? Yeah. He's played by Henry Winkler. I don't, okay. I've never heard, A, I've never heard that name before. B, cool sunglasses emoji c i just i know some cultural references but like free of context i know that you and i want to be like we need those references we want to get those laughs but we don't care to watch the movies and and the tv shows and stuff we we just want the laughs this winkler guy is um john ralphio's dad yeah like i knew you've seen him some stuff like he does a lot of great little comedy roles here and there um, but Happy Days was his big breakout role. That's what made him uh, a household name. Not for your household, apparently, but for others. Here's what we find out. Ugo. Uh, sorry, the gladiator. Is Ugo. Was Ugo. The security guard. Who was not actually a security guard. Which I think is... That's a nice little twist. I think that's cool. It, it's a nice little twist. I don't know how the vice president of the Skunjimoto Mondo Corporation got the time to just hang out at this security guard kiosk at Pompeii all the time. Because he says, ultimately, I'm the vice president. My favorite thing about them unmasking Ugo is Ugo says, nobody's perfect. <laughs> like, mumbles it under his breath, and it's like, yeah, I guess. Like, it's you're, true. You're right. Like, it's, it, it's like he immediately knows he's done wrong. Like, he's been sensing this for ages, and now that just as soon as it's come to light, he's like, hey, I get that I messed up. Hey, fair enough, man. Usman has no such remorses. I think he just says that he works for Skunji Mondo. Um, and uh, I think we can pretty much guess at their scheme. I, I like the fun little clues that Velma sort of brings up. She says um, she was sort of clued into Ugo being 
not on the up and up because Ugo was wearing a neck brace the second time they saw him. And um, I did catch that. Yeah. And the gu- and the gladiator got whiplash when um, the speedboat sort of like uh, didn't start yeah. properly. I, I got to say, I noticed the neck brace, but I didn't notice the whiplash. I, I also and noticed so the neck brace I, as well. I, I, I didn't make that connection fully, but I did think the neck brace would that's, factor in. I think that's very clever. I think that's a nice way of sort of just being like, ooh, maybe maybe not all is right in the city of Verona. I, the guide shows up, uh, essentially to say, yep, turns out I was innocent the whole time. And again, I, I want to kind of revisit her motivations a little bit. Why did she... I would absolutely love this, and and I think sorry. Go ahead, and then I'll follow up. No, I'm sorry. That's that's it. Just let's. Can we revisit? It? I have questions about her because she initially says this is a myth. Then later on, it's pretty much revealed she knows it's real, but she decides not to help any help the gang. She's never reported it. She just and also when when they're on the mountain and the gang's like, we think this this gladiator might have something to do with all the stuff that's been going wrong. She says, I blame the tourists. For coming over here and ruining all of our uh, artifacts and stuff like that. So she knows there's a real villain. She blames the tourists, and she's not looking to help anything. My opinion, and and so there's another. We have a lot of peers in the Scooby Doo podcasting game. Mm-hmm. One of them is by uh, someone I believe is named Ralph Cramp. We're doing a lot of shoutouts to like yeah, we really other are. Scooby, you're people. welcome for all the plugs, um, folks. But he does a podcast called the Scooby-Doo Justice Project, which I believe, I haven't actually heard a lot of it, is meant to uh, to prove the innocence of various villains. This is sort of a reverse of that, in which I believe Alexandra was in on the scheme the entire time and is throwing her accomplices under the bus. Do you think they're going to pull her back in when would they get grilled in an interview, though? Because they, they have no reason to protect her, surely. And uh, they might cop a plea with it. I think. Let me just really headcanon all of this. Oh, sorry. I also have some headcanon. Really? Um, uh, let's. Uh, you do yours, and then I'll see if mine might be the same. Because I got... Uh, go ahead. It's, I mean, it's, it's very possible. I think that her and Ugo were in an illicit relationship. Oh, I was going to say lover of Ugo, daughter of Usman. Oh! Uh, they both want to protect her. And they, and so they will have her continue their work That's on the outside. That's good. That that okay. So I was going in a different direction where she actually had like blackmail on the two of them, oh, and so okay. if they and so she could incriminate them if anything came back to her, and it was just an unspoken thing. You know that makes a lot more sense from like a bad criminal perspective. I wanted mine to be like there's love there, and like yours is a lot nicer. It's nice, like I like that idea, but it's also kind of dark because it's like she's still bad, but they're they all they're all bad and they still care about each other. As, I don't know. Well, as far as I'm concerned, she gets away scot free. She does. She calls. She actively calls the police on them. That's right. That, she's terrible. I think she's she's absolutely a villain. The Scooby Justice Project shouldn't, uh, which is basically assuming what if the villain was innocent and somebody else did it, uh, or the apparent villain. I think that should be applied not to free the people we've already convicted, but to loop her in on those charges. I, 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 I think, I don't know if this is what you were explicitly saying, but I like the idea that she called the police on the gang because they were going up to maybe under the maybe they were like trespassing so she's just like oh let me arrest them so that we can continue to do our crimes but but it mm. turns out that her accomplices were the ones who were captured and then she's like oh the police i i called them take these men away 
When really she we she, we we were set up to assume that she might be like these tourists are trespassing and look at all the stuff they threw in the volcano. Right, exactly. Fortunately, this this kindly garbage man is here to help us cart it away. Anyway, Alexandra, she's uh she's sus- suspicious and I don't trust her. Uh, we pretty much we close with the gang after everyone's getting taken away, piling back into the Monjurati, which they still have driven up there, except for Scooby and Shaggy who take the chariot, and they ride that way we see the them on the map the Monjurati and the chariot going from pompeii back to naples all 700 miles uh seven thousand kilometers seven thousand mi- kilometers here's uh, a few fun little things i believe it is um Usman who says see and especially meddling bambinos oh meddling bambinos i love that um also uh, they are in Naples, back to Naples. There's a, been a lot of Naples, Pompeii, Naples, Pompeii, Naples, Pompeii. Mm. They're eating at a restaurant called Da Vinci's, uh, that, which has a little tagline, have your last supper here. <laughs> That's good. I mean... Well, D- da Vinci, last supper, right? No? That that lasts... Yeah. Well, Jesus gets crucified after that, so maybe, you know... I don't know. He wants to catch those uh, pre-crucifixion that, that de- demographic. Uh, Scooby and Shaggy have a Lady in the Tramp scene. Lady in the Tramp moment. And then Scooby ends the episode by saying, Scooby Dooby Riva Derchi. And that's it. That's it. That's yeah. the episode. The, the Lady in the Tramp moment, just to zoom in on that as a final point. Uh, what did you think of that? Did that work for you? Because it's, it's Scooby and Shaggy kissing. They kiss after they finish off their, their shared piece of spaghetti. And then they like, after they realize they've kissed each other on the lips. But then afterwards, the gang laughs. They're all like, them included. They're all like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Uh, I think it was fine. I mean, I don't think I don't think most people want to smooch their best friend. Yeah, I don't think you want to smooch your best friend. As for me, I uh, I think we we're about at the end of this episode, so it's been a good one. It's been a fun talk. I mean, I tell Theo all the time that I don't find him attractive <laughs> in that way. So, I. I don't think you tell me that all the time. I pretty much, I take whoa, that as a... Whoa, wait, wait, wait. We're talking about our best friends. I, oh, my God. <laughs> Luke, what's wrong? Oh, it's fine. No, Luke, what? what about your best friend? Oh, me and my best friend? My best friend is awesome. He lives in Canada, so you can't meet him. <laughs> he loves me, and he wants to kiss me. Did you Did you want to do uh, a nitpicky wiki, or are we... <gasps> oh, we, we need out? a wit- nitpicky wiki. I want this to be a thing. I didn't plan it ahead of time at all. But a new segment I'd love for us to keep doing is to go onto the Scooby-Doo Wikia under their section, Notes Trivia, including cultural references, animation mistakes, and or technical glitches, inconsistency, slash continuity errors, and slash or goof slash oddities. What do we have today? I, I, I don't have it up, so hit me, hit me with that. I, I don't know what you're going to be sharing. All right. Give me one second just to skim through these. <laughs> all right so this episode is relatively light on notes but there are a couple notable things the cultural references pomp and circumstance and the lady in the tramp reference are all attention we got those i'll just mention one thing it isn't explained what captain guzman is getting out of it out of it from helping ugo it's likely he's a paid accomplice otherwise he's just somebody who simply likes to do illegal things for fun <laughs> or out of spite <laughs> Wow. I think we can assume he was working for the corporation. No, no, no. I like I like I like this 
how we're impugning his character. I like this. This is kind of like last week's episode where it's like, Southern people, they don't want... They don't want to do this. I listened to that part so many times. I like that this is the question of like, maybe Guzman was getting something out of this. <laughs> like, aside from a feeling of personal joy from screwing people over. Um, I, I just love the nitpicks. There's some stuff that the Wikia glosses completely over and other stuff that uh, we really zoom in on. Does the wiki touch on this? Because this is what I was thinking, and we did. I did not bring it up in the episode, mm. or we're still in the episode. Um, they're taking, they're basically taking archaeological treasures, dumping them into Vesuvius to be consumed by lava, so that they construct can construct, um, Scungimundo buildings in these places. From the looks of these archaeological treasures, they're valuable. Every here's the thought. There, I, it went one of two ways, and I'm not sure which one it is. Either they're throwing the items in that volcano knowing they'll be destroyed with the intention of, like, we need to get rid of the evidence, or they're kind of stored in the volcano, and they either aren't destroying them and might sell them, or they just aren't destroying them and are just getting them out of the way. My, my understanding, um, based on what they said in the episode, is that they, they're using this generator to make the lava rise so that it eats, so that it, yeah... It I, destroys I see, the and evidence. I thought maybe the lava was rising just to cover the evidence. Like, because it seemed like at a couple of points the lava had retracted or something. Like, when before they dump more gold and stuff in, we see some gold and some lava around it. You would think it would be destroyed. A lot of anything, like, that is delicate, that is in any, any way fragile, would be destroyed. If nothing else, just think about, like, there's so much value here. So much just, like, raw uh money value and all these valuable artifacts this is gold and stuff i think there's something cool to be said about like this corporation is so focused on like the future and like profits through like cre- uh, um erecting these buildings everywhere that it's just like however much money we might be able to get from like selling this stuff our business is going to make us like 10 to 20 times more money that's kind of a fascinating idea to me yeah, and it's that does I do like that, and it kind of makes sense in a real world context. They don't have the black market, um, like antique contacts you need to fence that kind of stuff. I here's what I would like. I would like if they kind of spotlight it, spotlight that that's uh, Usman's role. That's like, oh yeah, he took the stuff out, and we let him keep the artifacts in exchange for helping us get the land or something like that. Or he's like our fence for this stuff. Um, and that might have cleared up the glaring plot hole of why is Guzman doing this? Is he just a jerk? Or does he have some kind of personal gain in this? Once again, all due respect to the moderator of said wiki. You do us all a service. And that is, I believe, the entirety of Pompeii and Circumstance, episode 13 of the first season of What's New Scooby-Doo. All right, so did I already make? Did I already say this before we leave our listeners to their own devices? I don't know if we've said that before. Okay, good. Before we leave all of you listeners to your own devices, while you while we've got you on our devices, uh, hey, maybe find us online. Maybe go to Facebook.com and look for Scooby Dudes. Facebook.com/slash Scooby Dudes. Maybe give our page a like. Uh, we are now at a hundred. <gasps> 
Someone finally tipped the scale. Finally. Three digits now, baby. Trippy digits. Um, I really want to apologize to everyone. I have been really reticent to update stuff. I had uh, a lot of freelance work that I needed to do. I've had a heck of a week. Um, but in this upcoming week, this weekend, I've got some free time. If you also go to twitter.com, we are at the Scooby Dudes. There's going to be more content. People have been liking our or following us on Twitter as well. That's also very nice. Fantastic. Hey, people, please do that. The people who see you do that are going to come check us out. And that just gives us a little more exposure. It really does mean the world to us. So Facebook, Twitter, you know what? Uh, Gmail. Send us an email at scoobydudespodcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you forget where that is, just go to scoobydudes.com for a, remember, for a reminder of where you can reach us by these various means. Um, and if you go to scoobydudes.com, you're going to find a lot of extra content there. Screenshots that we mentioned, show notes, uh, corrections, and, uh, and just great extra content. We commission original title card art for every episode. That money has to come from somewhere. It goes to the title card art that's on our episode, but it comes from patreon.com. Each and every week, we like to give a little bit of a shout out to our listeners. And, sorry, not our listeners, to our donors on Patreon. I, I don't like to shout out our listeners. I like to shout down our listeners. So what but we, our patrons, we shout them out. We shout them out when they the first time they donate. We also say their names every subsequent week. Do we have anyone new to shout out this week? Not this week. Then let's just shout out our, our troopers, our returning heroes. Um, every month they give us their money, and we're so, so grateful. Thank you to these people. Finally, and I can't believe that this got past me, Look, we're going to do this in two minutes, maybe a minute, okay? The Scooby-Doop. The Scooby-Doop is um, a scenario that typically uh, Scooby and Shaggy enact in which the social pressures are so great that the monster is forced to comply, they, the monster buys in, they then make their escape. There's no Scooby-Doop in this episode. If there was going to be a Scooby-Doop in this episode, what would it be? Uh, if there was going to be a Scooby-Doop in this episode for them to fool the um the gladiator i think it would have to be something to do with mount vesuvius they would say mount vesuvius is erupting you're gonna get covered in ash don't masturbate don't masturbate whatever you do don't masturbate <laughs> so so in your in your the gladiator in your like mind around like it's so horny what is he gonna do in your mind they can see vesuvius they can see the 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 ash billowing up and as this is happening um, the gladiator is sort of pawing at his little like leather skirt. Yeah, and because the gang has unscrolled these like uh, Playboy esque posters of female gladiators and skimpy gladiator costumes for him, so it's really it's really turning up the heat. He's getting hot under the collar. That might be all worth cutting. Uh, <laughs> but I think mine would be um, them trying to scare him into thinking the volcano was erupting again. Hmm, okay, that's good, that's good. Uh, I... there's not, it's kind of hard to do that, though. It's like hard to visualize who are Scooby and Shaggy in this case. Uh, I guess they're just people fleeing a volcano. Not super strong, but that's what comes to mind. I feel like all of mine are a little racist. Or, like, offensive to Italians. Uh, here, here's one. Um, while the gladiator is fighting Fred, Scooby and Shaggy intervene with a Scooby-Doop to save Fred, by being audience members who are not entertained. Oh, shoot. We're, like, not entertained. <laughs> Roaring. More pageantry. Why are you fighting? <laughs> like, they, they make it into a WWE-type spectacle by enforcing their demands on it. Like, we want to see beef. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the gladiator is the heel, so they get to trash talk him. Oh, yeah. And Fred is obviously the baby face. You know what? Good enough for me. Lastly, give us a five-star review on iTunes. 
It would mean a lot to us. It would really bump our visibility. And if you do it, not for nothing, we're going to read that review live on air. And by we, I mean Evan will read that review. Do we have anything for you to read today, Evan? Not yet. Oh, listeners, come on, please. We really want to read that review. Here are 40 seconds of silence in place of where that review would have would have been. Oh, my gosh. This episode's <laughs> already so long. <laughs> I know. Um, I'll edit in the silence. Don't worry about that. We won't have to sit through it. Editing room Luke here again. I'm sorry about this, but I said I'd do it. Anything else we need to say, aside from the fact that we love each other? I'm a hungry boy. I'm oh, you a hungry boy, and I'm a lovey boy. I love you, Evan. This has been a fun episode. Love you, bud. The worst part is when you like look away like you're like, all right, what am I doing now? What else do I have? Stuff on the walls. Is that ash I see out there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better churn that butter quick, buddy. <laughs> oh, man.